Hey, women's hockey fans, happy Martin Luther King Day 2021. As promised, I am giving you the second piece of my interview with Ann Tokarski. But before we get into that, as I mentioned, today is MLK Day. I'm actually set to make an appearance on NWHL Open Ice, so hopefully I can talk a little bit about that. But before I head to NWHL Open Ice, the Willie documentary is playing on NHL Network. I actually got a new cable bundle that allows me now to have cable. I haven't had cable in years, uh, and it's a part of my internet package, so I'm actually really excited I get to watch cable again. But um, particularly excited because this MLK Day falls on the anniversary, the 63rd anniversary of Willie O'Ree breaking the color barrier in the National Men's Hockey League. And um, I have said before that my entrance into hockey has come primarily through black women. Um, First, my sister. I've talked about Blake Bolden. Um, and the impact that she made in the very first NWHL game that I watched and on and on. I had a conversation today with Soroya Tinker and I'm mentioning these names because, yeah, I am name dropping, you know, I am name dropping because unfortunately Soroya Tinker, um, Cherie Stewart, um, Whitney Dove, who's playing in the league right now, Kalia Johnson and other particularly black, but also indigenous players, Brooke Stacy um, or Kelly Babstock, who is native. Um, they're just so many athletes. Megan Huertas, those who are Connecticut Whale fans or listen to me on Connecticut Whale, basically anything, know that I love to say the name Megan Huertas. And I love t- talking about her history because she, like me, is Cuban-American, of Cuban descent. And I've been lucky that those stories have always been hockey for me. But I have come to realize over the years that I have a very unique perspective. And I want to make sure that every chance that I get, that I'm uplifting the people who came before me. So yes, Willie O'Ree, but Angela James, Julie Chu, Sarah Nurse, Bridget Laquette. Um, And honestly, I do want to put this question out. If y'all know of any women of color who commentate or who are analysts in hockey, I honestly can say that I have not met a single one. I don't know of a single one. And that's not to say that they don't exist because my purview is very much focused on women's hockey. But I mean, I want to know who they are. I want to know their story and I want to learn from them because I'm still very much learning hockey, learning hockey and analysis and broadcasting. So anyway, that's the opportunity because, hey, this is my podcast. I, I do what I want. I do what I want. Um, but this is my podcast. This is my platform. But it's a platform that I create to educate all of us. And sometimes that means I have to get educated on the game. It's not a game that I grew up playing. But other times, hopefully, I can bring the hockey community a little bit closer into the world that I do come from. 
So once again, thank you for joining me and listening to the Founding Four podcast, whether this is your first episode or if you've joined me for all four seasons so far. Um, But we're going to get into part two of my conversation with Ann Tokarski. And it's NWHL 101. But like part one, you should stick around for my interludes, intermissions maybe is a better better phrase, Uh, but stick around for the intermissions because I do have some NWHL news that I'm going to give you. Here's Anne. Okay, so, but here now, Anne, I'm going to ask you to put on, you know, your, whatever you want to do, predict, you know, your special uh, sorting hat or your crystal ball, whatever your preference, but if we're going to have the semifinals and then the final, that means that there are four teams that are going to be awarded the opportunity to play on national television. If you had to guess, just based on what we know of the rosters right now, as we are here, what is it? The 29th, right? December 29th, 2020. What four teams do you predict will be on NBC sports playing in the Isabel cup finals or semifinals in 2021 you want me to give my seating prediction or just the teams just give me the four teams and then I'll ask you about the seating so you get a little bit of time to think about it <laughs> okay my four teams are Boston Minnesota Toronto and then Dark Horse Connecticut oh okay sticking with Connecticut I like that okay let's start with Boston and Minnesota I think those are pretty pretty uh spot-on predictions I, I'm interested to see how much uh, did the how the 2020 season and what would have been the 2020 Isabel Cup weigh into your 2021 predictions. Oh, it went into it so much. I think both of those teams are so hungry because they didn't get the chance to win the to fight for the cup last year. Like not only were neither of them named the winner, but they didn't even get the chance to play the game. And but they were both they both won their semifinals. So they knew they were going to the cup, but they didn't get the chance to actually physically take the ice and battle it out. So I think those teams are just going to be so hungry for more. And I think they're a lock for at least a semifinal, maybe not against each other, but a semifinal spot will go to each of them. Wouldn't it be like slightly cruel, but also highly entertaining if they did face off in the semifinal? Yeah. I don't even know what would happen in that scenario because I think they're just so they were both two really good teams so I honestly don't know what would happen if they faced off in the semifinal I think that'd be a really intense game of hockey I think I'm kind of rooting for that um one because you know as someone who is set to call that final uh Sam Fryman and I were supposed to be on the call like you know, I can only imagine, I know like the slither of disappointment that I felt as a broadcaster. So I can't even imagine as a player that had put in that much time. And then of course you had that the Boston pride, and this is a little, this is something that Anya Packer got just slightly wrong in her two minutes or less. The uh, Boston pride was nearly undefeated nearly undefeated last season and who beat them no other than the Minnesota Whitecaps of course at Tria Rink which is the Whitecaps home ice so these two were really on uh, a a path that was going to be electric for Mm -hmm. fans Um, so I, I completely agree with with those two picks and again I think putting them having them 
go up against each other in the semifinal will just add to the drama. Um, and then there's also, of course, the piece that you mentioned in your two minutes or less, much less actually, <laughs> um, which is that if either one of those teams wins the next Isabel Cup championship, they become the first ever NWHL repeat champions. So I want to put that out there. We're going to keep that in the parking lot just for a short time because I want to get to the other two teams that you mentioned. One was the Connecticut Whale, which is the only founding four team that has not claimed the Isabel Cup yet. But then you also mentioned the Toronto Six, which would mean that they would become if they advance to the final and then win the Isabel Cup final, they would be only the second ever expansion team, which of course there's only ever been two expansions. So there you go. But they would follow um, in the tradition, if you would, if it becomes real in an expansion team winning an Isabel Cup in their first year. Do you think that that could potentially happen for the Toronto Six? Um, as much as I think it would make for a great story, I don't think they'll make it to the final. Like, I, I think they'll battle hard, but lose in the semifinal. Like, that's just my prediction. So if any six fans are listening or any six, any of my friends who might work for the six are listening, like, that's just my prediction. You didn't, I'm not cursing you or anything. I'm just saying. Okay, so in our in our mind, uh, or at least if if we allow my dominating thoughts to to prevail, uh, we get the Boston Pride and the Minnesota Whitecaps in the semifinal, which means then we would get the Connecticut Whale and the Toronto Six in the semifinal, and then if we then completely switch uh, switch minds into your head, you say that the Six is not going to make it, which means then. The process of elimination that the Connecticut whale would edge out the Toronto six to make it to this would be the first ever finals appearance for the Connecticut whale. Do you think that that is a probability for 2021? Hey fans. Thanks for staying tuned. As you can hear in my interview with Anne, she was getting ready to predict if she thinks the Connecticut Whale can make it all the way to their first ever Isabel Cup finals appearance. And here's a little part of news. You may have seen that Melissa Burgess, Mike Murphy, and Dan Rice have reported that Melissa Samuskevich will not be reporting to the bubble. So similarly to um, what I talked about with Taylor Accursi, she will not be able to make the trip due to her commitments with Penn State Hockey. But... Uh, you may have also heard or seen, read, some information about an e-bug, an emergency backup goalie. And you might have heard Dan Rice reporting back in the fall about one Mariah Fujimagari. Well, I heard from a Connecticut Whale player that Mariah Fujimagari will be the e-bug for the Connecticut Whale team. Actually, Casey Anderson and I had a talk, something that will be coming up, and she mentioned that Mariah Fujimagari has been practicing with the team. I was unable to confirm this with the league. I was told that there will be some e-bugs available for particular teams, but the league did not confirm that Mariah Fujimagari is the e-bug for the entire league. In a media press conference, with Zoom conference, video conference, with um, Ivo Mosek. Um, we also heard that they have a third goalie 
maybe there's an e-bug situation there. So it sounds like there will be extra players that are coming to the bubble. If you have watched or listened to my conversation with Anya Packer, you know that I asked her about this. And it looks like there will be some extra players. The word practice player has been thrown out a few times. So what I'm basically saying is that Mariah Fujimagari is headed to the bubble as far as I know, or the end double as far as I know. In what capacity, we don't know for for certain, but I do believe that she will be an e-bug if not for just the Connecticut Whale, potentially for other teams as well. So next question for me, of course, is how will Mariah and others who are practice players going to be compensated? Because the league did away with practice players in about season two, if anyone knows Rebecca Moose Morris, she was actually a practice player um, her first season in the league. And so I'm, I don't know how that's going to work. But I do think it's smart to have players that are available to substitute in. It looks like Alexa Armbrew might be one of those players as well. She's actually listed on the Connecticut Whale and Riveters rosters. So we have to get some clarification on that as well. But that's what I have for you. So again, breaking news in my little intermission reports during the Founding Four podcast. But now let's see what Anne Tokarski has to say about the Connecticut Whale's chances. So is she saying that they have a chance? Let's listen in. I think it definitely is. I think they've built such a strong roster in the offseason with so many new pieces that I think it's a legitimate possibility that they could make it to the final for the first for the first time in franchise history. Like I would I would not put it past them. I mean, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, you know, I I think that that gives us storylines, of course, of the founding four team. The only founding four team that has yet to win Isabel Cup is in contention for the cup. They knock out the new kid on the block. That's exciting. But then that means that, um, you know, if again, the semifinal is Minnesota versus Boston, then now let's go back to that series. Theoretically, in our completely made up odds, having never seen any of the teams hit the ice, uh, who do you like better in a semifinal for 2021? Boston as they're built right now or Minnesota as they're built right now? I think Boston. Ooh. I just think they're returning so many players from last season and all the players they're returning were absolutely dominant last season. And then they're adding their rookie class, the rookie draft class. I just think there's no way that they don't advance to the final this year. They made a bold step and traded up for that first pick, Sammy Davis. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hungry for the cup, right? I believe that is the, now they've continued that slogan from 2020 into 2021. I agree with you. I think that Boston, um, that roster was really gnarly last year uh, and it's looking pretty fierce this year again. There are some players that I've noticed are missing. Of course, Emily Fluke, who has always played really well at Warrior Ice Arena. Of course, that's a moot point because she wouldn't have played there this season anyway. But she has signed with the Toronto Six. So that's really interesting to me. You mentioned Kelly Babstock, originally signed with the Toronto Six. Of course, Connecticut Whale fans know 
Babstock very well. Mm-hmm. She makes her return to the NWHL, signed with the Toronto Six, excuse me, but then was traded to the Riveters. I have a feeling that had to do with COVID restrictions to travel and and whatnot. That's just a theory. We haven't ta- I haven't talked to Babs at least about that. But now is on the Riveters, and Babstock used to battle the Riveters. Man, I remember those days. Um, but that does mean that you have Babstock and the Riveters, and then you know the the now uh, Taylor or Kersey led. Buffalo Buttes on the outside looking in. So uh, what can you say, though, about those two teams, the Metropolitan Riveters and the Buffalo Buttes? Okay, well, I will say that part of my semifinal um, predictions were based on bias. So (laughs) I do think that the Riveters and the Buttes this season have built like this offseason they've built some pretty incredible rosters I know they've welcomed so many new players into the fold on both teams so many impressive players that it's go the competition the playing field is going to be incredible this season but I think there are some players on both those teams that are going to fight and make sure that I'm wrong they're going to fight to prove me wrong so I'm really looking forward to it yeah, I I think it's going to be exciting. The one wild card here, of course, is this season. The teams are only playing each other one time. So it's essentially like the, what the, the newest format, because the first Isabel Cup championship was a series, both the semifinals and the finals. That has now switched to it's a one and done. But now it's essentially the entire season is one and done. And then you go into the playoffs and that could mean, especially with a season that is constricted by COVID and you don't know how injuries or, you know, unfortunately even positive tests could impact a a roster. I mean, this is going to be a mad dash to Mm -hmm. the Isabel cup final. I'm just, I, I don't even know, like, I think anything could happen at this point. Like even just trying to narrow down my list of who I think won't make the semifinals and who will, I was like, okay, like, I think these teams are going to make it, but that means these two really good teams aren't. And I don't, I don't know if any of that's going to be right. Like there's no way to tell because everyone's gotten so good and built up such good rosters in the off season. It's like, there's literally no way to predict anything just because everyone's so good. I know. It's fantastic. I I can't wait. I'm like a kid in a candy store. Um, So we've mentioned some big names, Taylor Accursi, Madison Packer, who's still playing. Um, You think of players like Jillian Dempsey, Kaylee Fratkin, Shannon Doyle, who is returning, but says this is likely her last season, which um, just breaks my heart into pieces um of course you uh were one of the first people i saw write publicly that uh one kareen Bowie might uh be a, a wonderful addition to the minnesota whitecaps which of course came to fruition Bowie won a championship with the boston pride in the inaugural season won another championship with the buffalo buttes and had a, a fantastic game to upset the Boston pride in the second ever Isabel cup championship now is taking her talents back home to Minnesota. She being of course from Dinah, Minnesota. Um, but I, 
I'm going to take Bowie off, off of the table, though. I want you to think, Anne, about some players that either are new to the league or maybe are newly returning with different teams that you think first-time fans should really keep a keen eye on in the end double. Um, in terms of goaltenders, I would say Abby Ives and Carly Jackson are two that I know I personally am really looking forward to watching play because I've tracked their collegiate careers a little bit and they were both lights out in college. They were incredible. Um, in terms of forwards, um, this one is kind of like, she doesn't really count because she took a year off, but she's coming back to the same team, Rebecca Russo. Mm. She's of course going to be such an offensive firecracker for the Riveters once more. Um, Soroya Tinker, obviously she is going to have a huge impact on the Riveters as a defender. Um, MJ Peltier is going for the Buttes. I know I'm sticking to like Buttes and Riveters here, but they're just some of the names that are popping into my head right off the bat. I think they're all going to have tremendous seasons and I would definitely keep my eye on them. Oh, and Carly Jackson's former teammate, Teresa Vanasova for the mm. Boston Pride. I would definitely keep an eye on her. Okay. I like Sorry, it. That was a lot. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I tell you someone else, I'm really excited to see hit the ice again. Um, and maybe just more so I should say, be able to watch her games is Shean Dark, Dark Angelo, mm-hmm. um, who has played for uh, the Connecticut whale, uh, the Buffalo Buttes has played in China um, and now is finding her spot on the roster for the Toronto Six. We also saw Michaela Grant Mentis, who had a fantastic rookie debut for the Buffalo Buttes, but now is going to remain in her home country of Canada to play for the Toronto six. I think that's exciting. You really can't understate though, the energy that Digit Murphy is bringing to the Toronto six as first president, but now announced as first ever head coach. There's so much history that comes with Digit. There's such a philosophy that is such a, you know, a Digit Murphy philosophy when it comes to women's hockey. And, and I'm just really excited to see how that's going to play out in, in a wobble, uh, or excuse me, in an end double, I should say, uh, for the NWHL season. Yeah, same here. I mean, she was, what, the winningest coach in D1 history for a time period there was, I think it was Brown. That's right. And that just she's bringing that record and then she won Clarkson cups she could she could become the first coach to win not the first coach but another coach to win the Clarkson and Isabel cup and I don't know I think that's a real wild card that's going to give the six the edge in the in the end double Mm, interesting so you think uh she could join the ranks of a a Bobby J eh (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> of course, Bobby J coached the Boston Blades of the now defunct RIP uh, CWHL, but also then uh, transitioned over to become the head coach of the Boston Pride and win the inaugural NWHL Isabel Cup. Um, also, though, I should say uh, Jack Brot. Also, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. That's who you were thinking of. Okay, that's right. I was like, actually, we've got two. 
be the first woman though that would be yeah. one digit murphy so we love to see it love to see it so again there's so much excitement around the nwhl i think we're just gonna have to have you back in to talk about more woho of course we didn't really touch on the pwhpa we didn't really touch on ncaa there's so much exciting women's hockey happening but if you had to summarize i gave i gave anya 10 but you know anya just does her Anya thing and you just absorb it and take it because it's all fantastic. But you know, 10 ish, if you had to say like 10 defining moments for the NWHL in 2020, like what would be some of the things in your top 10? Hey listeners, it's Erica again. Before we get to Anne's top 10 NWHL moments in the 2019, 2020 season, I would like to share one of my top moments in 2020, and that was that I was able to really invest more time, more money, and more resources into this podcast and a few other endeavors, including making this podcast readily available in video format as well. And I realized that there is a hard of hearing community that is really a part of the hockey loving community and has been following some of the work that I did, especially on social justice. So by having video equipment and my fancy microphone that I like to show off in my videos, I have been able to make women's hockey more accessible. And that is not possible if not for my A1 Day Ones, my Patreon posse, whether you give $1 or you upfront all of your annual donations, which you can now do in Patreon, I want to thank you. I can't thank you enough. I mentioned it in the last podcast, part one of this podcast, that even me being able to be an analyst for the NWHL season, we're, we're going to be calling games remotely in a studio in Florida. I wouldn't have been able to comfortably do that, pay all of my my rent, my bills, uh, and the overhead for this podcast, if not for the Patreon posse. So thank you to those who are already a member. If you're not a member, I hope you consider joining the Patreon Posse, again, helps me put out great work. The Patreon Posse has known for at least a week, if not longer, that I was headed to Florida to call the end double season. And I try to give a few other things here and there. Again, I'm really growing that part of my essentially freelance business. So thank you all for listening. Um, and please continue to like, share, and subscribe. And uh, hey, send me a comment, a review, and let's be friends. All right. There's a lot of traffic outside my window. So I guess that means it's time to get back to Anne. I would say the Whitecaps upset of the Boston Pride would definitely be up there. Um, I would say the Kelly Babstock trade would be up there just because we don't see a lot of (laughs) trades. So that one was just kind of out of the blue, to be honest. I was like, I woke up and I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, Um, for sure. (laughs) I would say also the Boston Pride trading up in the draft to get the number one overall pick, which they then used to select Sammy Davis. That was a huge one. Um, those are, that's three. Mm-hmm. You're doing good. You're doing good so far. <laughs> Do I have to come up with 10? You can come up with however many you think suits. Okay. Um, I'd say the Connecticut Wales first win. That was a big one. Big one. For um, sure. Um, oh, well, this is 2019, I guess, but Taylor Accursi's four goal game 
Oh that my was gosh. Incredible. That was that was wild. I don't even know what to call that. Like, what do you call it when a player scores four goals? Like yeah. an accursy trick? A cursy trick, right? I think that's what we, we need to start calling it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Mike. We're talking to Mike. We're talking to Alyssa. Y'all come up with something for us. We're gonna go to the stats gurus on that, but I think you're right. We need we need an ism. We need we need it to be named likely after Taylor Kersey. But then Buffalo still lost that game. I know. Oh my gosh, that, so, uh, that was like like I would put that as one of the defining moments of the past year ish. Like the outdoor game, the Buffalo Beliefs Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I put that as defining moment, and then I might squeeze. As a separate moment, a Kersey's four goal performance, just because like <laughs> fair enough. Those so are two separate things. In action at that game, that and didn't um someone get ejected from that game too? It's very that- possible when you have the Buffalo Buttes versus yeah. the Metropolitan Riveters. It's quite possible. I know that there were multiple Rivs players in the box at one particular moment. That was also um, the return of Ashley Johnston to the yes. ice. That was that's probably another one of my moments, and now she's going to be assistant coaching the Riveters. So Fantastic. I'm really excited for that. To be honest, I think she and um, head coach Evo are going to do just a terrific job. Yeah, I think that has the potential to be very, a very well coached team. Um, with Ashley Johnston being an OG Riveter made her return to the ice. That was fantastic. I unfortunately was not able to be there in Buffalo. I was calling a, there was a Connecticut game. I think it was earlier in the day. Um, but, but being able to see that moment um, was fantastic for sure. So you're doing pretty good. I think we're at about seven. So how would you round out the last three? All of 2020 um, is up for grabs. We'll, we'll count the 2019 season as part of 2020. We'll just do it that way. Okay. Um, that one game where Sam Walther made like 70 saves. That oh game is definitely gosh. up there. Sam Walther. The, just like all of the goalies in the NWHL yeah. ever. Like, what? And I'm, I remember being so sad that she wasn't going to come back this season. Yeah. I know. Uh, but the Riveters aren't at a loss. Like, they have Tara Hoffman and Sonia Shelley. And I think that's a pretty formidable duo so for sure for sure I mean they're both once a rookie and one has one season of experience so that's going to be a little shaky but I think they have the potential to do it like I would not be surprised so initially look good for Connecticut but of course Mariah uh Fujimagari now joins Brooke Waleko mm-hmm. at uh Connecticut which I was that was like an under the radar signing yeah yeah that was <laughs> I was so surprised by that. I remember I was talking to Juliana Nikach and she was like, oh yeah, she's not even supposed to be on the website. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, well, well, okay. Well, there it is. Okay, like, let's go. <laughs> but I remember Dan Rice reported on that a little earlier and said that she was practicing with the whales, so. Yeah, Dan's a good follow. Gotta, yeah, gotta go sure. with Dan. Um, all right, let's think about business news because I think you still have two more spots. Like from a business perspective, what are some of the announcements that you think have the potential to really launch the NWHL into the next, you know, its next phase, its next chapter of growth and development? I would say definitely the switch to the governance model. Um, and then I would say, well, can we 
would you count the appointment of Thai Tumania in with that? Or would you say that those are separate things? That's interesting. I, they were announced together. So I feel like it, it, it definitely makes sense to pair them. But this is our like, we created this game. So we, we get to make the rules. Whatever you like say goes. Separate. Okay, then they're separate. <laughs> okay. And I think that's 10, isn't it? There you go. You got it. <laughs> wow. I'm surprised I managed to come up with 10. There's <laughs> impressive things that happened this year. Yeah, there was a lot of news. There was a lot of women's hockey news. And again, we're only talking about the NWHL right now, but I think we have seen some momentum. And what always fascinates me, I, I sometimes joke that at the time, Danny Ryland seemed to have like nine plus lives because there are just so many hurdles that the NWHL has had to jump through. Some that, if we're being honest, were self-created and others, especially given what we saw at the end of the 2019-2020 season that are just impacted by the market or in this case, coronavirus. Um, But the NWHL always kind of finds its way. Um, And I'm always excited to see what that means for the future because we're still looking for an opportunity for women's hockey players to exclusively play women's hockey. And we really don't have that model in women's sport. I would argue the closest that we really are is in tennis, Um, but that's really for your upper echelon players. But when it comes to team sports, we're still waiting domestically, at least here in the United States for the opportunity for women to to have a league that will compensate them as their primary job so we'll see i think the nwhl is is making strides the pwhpa has its model and um but i'm excited i'm excited for what the future holds for women's hockey me too i think there's so much to look forward to i mean you can focus on the hardships the negativity But there's also, when you look at it, there's so many things to be excited about, regardless of who you want to focus on. There's exciting things within every organization, whether that's the NCAA, the PWHPA, or the NWHL. There's just so much happening and so much excitement that you can really focus on anything you choose to. And that's the that's what's fantastic, certainly as a fan turned now a journalist, um, is that there's there's so much to take in. And again, going back to the stats, once we establish a really solid baseline and really great people, whether it's Bo or Mike or Alyssa, we've mentioned or Megan Chaika or a number of others, um, once we really keep that consistency and we as the collective women's hockey environment really tap into those resources, we're just going to be able to see the the breadth and wealth of experience of knowledge that exists in this space. And, and I'm always excited to see how that then permeates through the entire hockey community, which we of course have already seen with the likes of Florence Schelling, Blake Bolden, who, you know, I love to mention um, and on and on. Um, but, Anne, I want to give you final final say, last words. We've talked about the NWHL, but are there any other things that are exciting you or things that you want to reemphasize, things that we didn't talk about here that you think are important for especially new fans to keep in mind when it comes to the NWHL? Um, This is kind of like a little out there, but it still does relate to the NWHL. But I would say keep an eye on the NCAA just because 
those are the future professional women's hockey players. So many, so many players came from the NCAA, even the players that came from internationally, a lot of them got their start in the NCAA. And I would say to keep your eye on some of those schools in the ECAC and Hockey East and the WCHA, even in the CHA and the NEWHA. I would say, sorry, that was a lot of acronyms, but keep your eye on the NCAA and you might just find one of your team's next greatest stars. I love that. Talking about that pipeline that we want to establish for when there is, again, professional women's hockey, where it is the primary um, occupation of those who are in the league. So I love that. But Anne, we have to make sure, I am going to make sure to link for everyone. I don't know if I point here. I think I point here versus here. I'm just going to do this. We're going to make sure we link to the 101 that you have done. So that's a great resource. And we want to make sure that we promote that. But also, where can uh, viewers and listeners find you? Um, you can find me, my bylines at the Ice Garden on Twitter. So that's just T-H-E-I-C-E-G-A-R-D-E-N. Just the words, the Ice Garden. But also you can find me personally on Twitter at Ann Tokarski. That's Ann with an E, Tokarski, T-O-K-A-R-S-K-I. Excellent. It's always such a joy to talk with you, Ann. I cannot express enough how thankful I am that you are a part of the women's hockey community. Um, and of course, of course. So always want to make sure we hype up uh, the next generation, you know, auntie, as they call me, certainly in women's basketball, but I think it's now it's shifting over to women's hockey as well. But, you know, I've, I've been around, done a few things, but I always love to make sure that we're uplifting those who are consistent voices and you and fit the bill when it comes to women's hockey. So thank, thank you, you so I much for your time. Yeah, yeah, of course. Thank you for the honor of having me on. I'm so excited. I'm just really excited. And I want to share that with everyone. So we still like the idea of the snow globe. And I hope the NWHL has some fun with snow globe type themes and maybe filters or whatever the heck is going to happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. If they sold like literal snow globes, I would buy one for every team. I think. Every team. Easy. And then one just for the league overall. Yeah. Just so one that- in general. Like I would have like an entire like snow, snow globe shelf. So as you can see, uh, I mean, Anne is basically the bomb.com and you should follow all of her stuff today on Twitter. It was announced that she will be the beat writer for the Metropolitan Riveters in the end double she's going to be following that team closely for the Ice Garden. I mentioned over on the video and a few times in the podcast as well that the inspiration behind NWHL 101 on the Founding Four podcast was Anne's video series for the Ice Garden. I, of course, was one of the founding writers for the Ice Garden. Mike Murphy and I started this podcast for the Ice Garden. So it's all love over there. Um, So make sure you're supporting Ann Tokarski. We're going to have a few other people from the Ice Garden. I mentioned we have some Buttes stuff coming up. So can't do it without my sis, mi hermana, Angelica Rodriguez. We're going to have A-Rod, if you will, 
on the podcast to talk all things Buffalo Buttes. I mentioned Casey Anderson. If you you should really listen to my intermission reports, but uh, Casey helped me drop some news. Uh, but Casey Anderson is also going to join me for a Connecticut whale specific uh, 101, if you will. And we have a few more in the works, but I will announce those later. But for now, I'm going to get ready to watch Willie and then head over to NWHL Open Ice where I will officially announce what I've already announced on the podcast. So once again, thank you so much for listening to the Founding Four pod. We look forward to having you with us next week as we talk all things Buffalo Buttes. Erica Lindsay Ayala, signing out. Peace.